0: Mr. Warren, I appreciate you joining me today, sir. I'm glad you had me. This is a uh, this is such a broad topic that I don't even really know necessarily where to start. Um, so okay, so let's let's start with this. I, I want to find out uh, about you. You joined TikTok back in
1: February. Correct. Why? Why? Why TikTok? So so my interest in this topic goes way back to childhood days. Yeah. So it's not something that's new, but me putting my face out there is new. So I lurked on uh, UFO Twitter, which is where you'd get most of the information about this topic. If you want to stay up to date, that's where you get it. Right. But I had Kodos from the Simpsons as my profile pic because I'm embarrassed by it. Yeah. This is definitely a subject that has ridicule and stigma associated with it. So I don't want my neighbors to look at me funny. So I don't want, I, I kind of hid behind a screen. Um, well, then I, I was listening to one of the uh, two podcasts back in January when Lou Elizondo was being interviewed, and he basically said, "It's I can't do it all. I need help, and you guys can help just by having the conversation, just by communicating this information to other people besides just me being the only conduit to get it out. And he said, get off your ass, get involved, and have the conversation. And at that point, I was like, all right, well, he's not just talking to the – world he's talking to each of us individually so i'm going to try to do what i can to do my part which is when i said what can i do so i, I started off trying to make youtube videos but i'm if you guys can't see this studio it's a lot more high tech than what i have at home which is my phone a ring light and a microphone it's very tiktok the, the technology required to get into it is minimal so that's why tiktok became my platform of choice but i also identify that um, the attention span of people in the modern world is shrinking. And the UFO topic is king of long form. You can talk about it. Like you said, it's a very broad topic. You can go on and on and on about it. We could be here all day if we wanted to, man. Um, But if you want to try to communicate something to someone that doesn't have a lot of interest in this and isn't actively seeking it out, you got to hit them with facts, hit them with information quickly and an easy-to-consume Digestible manner, and that's what TikTok is. It's just like snippets of information. Right. So I'm just trying to plant the seed to try to get people interested. And I I know that one of the people that actually streamed here told me yesterday that she's dug into this subject more because of the the videos that I put out there. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what I was. I have too.
0: I have too. That, you're one of the reasons that I really I've always been interested in it, but never like oh let's go research this myself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. So back in February when you decided to get on TikTok, um. If, if you were to go back three months ago and be like, hey, you're going to have 50,000 followers in three months, what would you tell yourself? Uh,
1: I wouldn't have believed it, and, <laughs> and I wouldn't be able to watch my videos from the beginning either now, you, that, now that I've... Do I've you found done. that that's changed, being able to watch yourself and being more comfortable with... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, in my first videos, I wasn't even putting myself on there, but then mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to learn the algorithm, and I haven't seen a lot of people that are successful that don't have a face talking on mm-hmm. it. So that's why I put myself on the screen was because I'm trying to manipulate the algorithm to right. try to win. I don't want to say win, but I want to do a good a job. A little bit. It, it, it is kind of winning though, especially when you're doing what you're doing because
0: it's it's like you said, you're getting into this for the purpose of sharing this edu- uh, information with more people to try and get more people into it. So yeah, winning also means that everybody wins in that. So Successful. I want to yeah. be su-
1: su- su- uh, successful at anything I do. I've always, I'm a very competitive person just by nature. I, athletics, um, Scrabble, anything you Scrabble. throw at me, I'm going to try to do my best. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I'm trying to do with TikTok. I just want to do the, make the best product that I can make with mm-hmm. my abilities, which are limited. So um, I don't think I'm there's limiters, the what I you think have. they are, man. Um,
0: D- dude, three months, 50,000
1: followers in three months, like you're doing something very, very right. Well, it's and it's fun. It's definitely it is, yeah. um, researching it on your own is one thing you you do collect information doing that. But when you would have to turn around and try to explain it to someone else, you're going to have to dig a little deeper, understand a little bit more thoroughly what you're talking about to be able to to educate someone else. Right. And one of my one of my goals that I have is I want to produce a product that I can share with my kids someday. Mm. I got a nine year old and an eleven year old, so I don't want to dive too deep into subjects, and I and I don't want to speculate. So I want to make sure that whatever I'm saying now is something that I could share with my kids in the future, or I can show them the videos right now, and they're not gonna yeah. be, Dad, you're going off the deep end kind of things like here's here's the information that i found interesting on the subject that's going on around us right now which i think is a historic time to be in, invested in this topic
0: no matter what it is i yep. think i think there's history behind it uh
1: have your kids got into the topic at all uh no um, i have one that wants to be a uh climatologist and I got one who wants to be a mermaid still so they're oh. not quite ready for the <laughs> UFO topic
0: after the UFO thing they may maybe we can dive into mermaids what <laughs> see what we find there they, they by the time that you know they're growing up they may be be a mermaid crypto
1: is one of my other fascinations like even on the way up here crypto. I was listening to uh, Monsters Among Us uh, Derek Hayes Derek uh, he Hayes. produces a podcast okay. Phenomenal, man! It's just such a broad range of information on there. It's just fascinating what people have seen, reports and stories that they tell about their experiences in life. It's just, it's just fascinating the planet we live on.
0: It really is. Um, so, why UFOs? What was it that got you into this topic originally?
1: Um, the the big questions in life. Uh, why are we here? Are we alone? Those are the two. And, and what are we what happens after we die? Those are, yeah, the, those are, those are the. in my opinion, the big three questions in life. Yep. I don't know how to investigate what happens after we die. Um, I don't think there is a way. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I don't think people like
0: you and I have much of a chance of figuring that out until
1: it happens. Exactly. There, there, there's a one-way ticket to, to get that information. But yeah. with the UFO topic, um, which... Uh, I, I like to think about it like if I was living on an island in Samoa somewhere, like Moana, for instance. They lived on that island. That was their world. And then they got on the edge of the island and started looking out. That's what I feel like we're doing right now. Like, are there other civilizations around us that, that we just are not aware of at this point? So that's why I'm interested in it because it's the it's the last unexplored uh world like we we are on a small island can we can we find more by exploring and that's where the ufo topic became interesting to right. me because well it makes sense i mean we're we're a small speck. like i'm assuming you know what the pale blue dot is on carl sagan uh, carl sagan yeah that that is like a very that's a, that puts things in perspective like we aren't even a blip in the grand scheme of things so once you start seeing that and putting yourself in that, um, I'm just a spec perspective. Like there's, there's gotta be more. And so that's when you start thinking outwardly and, uh, what else could there be? So that's when I started to really get into it. But if, like I said, it was embarrassing to be interested in the it, topic for a long time and it still is like, I'm sure there's, there's still that, that, there's that still that stigma. That's, that's
0: one of the reasons I've never Talked about it. I talk about comic books. Nobody knows I have an interest in UFOs. Yeah. Nobody knows that I own every season of Ancient Aliens and, <laughs> and Amazon it, Prime.
1: I don't care. But. And it's like a it's a one or a zero for most people. It's either they think it is super yeah. interesting or they could care less. And I'm married to someone that could care less about it because it does not impact us on a day to day basis. And right. She's she's a very grounded individual, and that's her 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 emphasis. Or what she does is based on what is going to inf- affect her, fam- her at that moment. Right. And I'm more of like the I like to let my mind wander. I like to try to I, I like mysteries, ancient history type. Of, oh yeah. Why are there all these ancient civilizations that we don't know anything about? Where did they come from? Where did they go? The Paracas skulls, things like that. Are you a uh, are you a Graham Hancock fan? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've, I've re- I, I read his the first book of his that I read was, um, is it Underworld? It's, Which one did he? I. I uh, it was. It, it's, it's basically the anti Got it. All right. The first book about the the great flood and what came before it. Okay. I, I want to say that, that was the first one I read of his, and I was hooked ever since then. And it just all makes sense. Well, ever and since he wrote that book, he's just had his case substantiated from all the that's the discoveries that have been yeah. coming out.
0: Graham Hancock is a is, is a great example of kind of like what you just said, being able to be feel justified on a topic that's frowned upon. Uh, and his case was different. It was frowned upon, I think, because a lot of the historians and stuff like that just refused to look at the evidence pretty much. And he's sitting there kind of pointing it out like, hey, there is a little something else going on here. Um, so it kind of feels like maybe we're heading that way with the UFO. But what, one of the things that makes your channel so good is... Uh, with tick, UFO TikTok, I guess is what it is. Uh, you report literally just on what's being reported, on the information that's been confirmed by actual sources. And then there's the other half of UFO TikTok who are, I'm going to tell you what's going on with the UFOs. Here's what the aliens told me. Yeah. That kind. And I think people, I, I'm not saying they're wrong. I have, no, I, I have no way to prove that they're wrong, but you and people know that when they go to your page and when they see that you're reporting, you're actually going to be talking about things that are really happening, things that there is now evidence piling up about. It's not speculation. By the way, everything we talk about here today, let's get that out in the clear. that like it's, no, this is all speculation. Uh, I think we're kind of both on the same page there that this is, um. <laughs> you can sit there and speculate until you're blue in the face, but at the end of the day, only the only information that's
1: been out is what matters so well I'm, i don't want anyone to think that i know what's going on like, yeah that's I, exactly it no that's a let's be very clear about that i'm before I, that none my my title or my description is i researched the ufo investigation mm-hmm. because i don't that's have good, any that's inside good. sources i don't i've never had an experience you do now
0: <laughs> yeah i heard that what was that what was that like having that conversation with uh lou elizondo especially now knowing going back what you talked about um how he kind of
1: influenced you to get into it. And then three months later, you're having a conversation with him. What was oh, yeah. that like? I mean, I, I, had, I had been kind of, so I'm a first-round investor in TTSA. So when they, when he first came out in October of 2017, he was with a group of guys that were had high credentials. I mean, they were like legit, serious individuals. In my opinion, for the first time, all teaming up. It was kind of like a, a, a superhero team. Um and and they got on the stage and made their presentation and I was like all right my wife's name is Steph I was like all right Steph for a, a, a couple hundred dollars I can buy stock in this company but it's not about an investment it's about being part of something greater than myself so uh, I I I got my stocks from from their company and ever since then it's been like. Instead of sitting on the sidelines, it feels like I've been involved. Like, right? I don't know. I, I'm not. You are
0: involved it. now, though. Like, yeah. you're you're one of the people leading the charge. Like I said, fifty thousand people in three months is nothing to scoff at. Yeah, that's a that's a big leap jumping into it, and well, espe- and especially when you're only reporting or talking about things that are one hundred percent confirmed. Like, there's no speculation really on your end on what you're doing on TikTok. I'm going to get that out of you today here, but yeah. that, that, for TikTok, yeah.
1: Well, I, I mean, I'm not like I said, I'm not. I'm not a writer, right? All, all I'm doing is using the skills that I've acquired over my life, which are usually I'm an engineer, I, I've made a lot of presentations, I've written a lot of emails, I've done a lot of analysis. Well, I'm just using those that skill set, right? And redirecting it towards uh, the investigation, and then trying to use my uh, communication skills to to share that information just like anyone else like i i've been given a compliment at work by one of my co-workers recently where she said you you're good at taking complicated topics and subjects and boiling them down to where anybody can understand them well that's, that's a compliment that's true yeah um, another conversation that me and my wife have had about just communication in general is if you can't explain it to a child then you probably don't understand it well enough to be needing to explain it. So I try to make sure that I can break it down to the point where anybody at any background at any level of education can understand what I'm trying to talk about and, and just transfer that data and then let, let people make up for them make their own mind up on what it means. Cause I'm not going to tell them cause I don't know. Yeah. Do you get a lot of backlash from people on TikTok? Um, it, some rare, very regular backlash, regular, it's, some guys <laughs> like regular, like people. Oh God. Like the, the, there's one guy, I, I think his name's Joe. Um, he almost every video he comes on and says silly or so silly. And I always like, thank him. Like, ah, thanks, man. Good to hear from you. Like he's, he's just so consistent. He's my most consistent commenter, but unfortunately it's not a positive thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I get, I, it is, I run any uh, theory out there. I get people that will comment in my sections and say, well, this is all fake because it's obviously we live on a flat earth. I mean, oh, it, 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 God. Runs, it runs the gamut. Oh. It runs to, um, <laughs> well, this, 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 these are all demons. We don't need to be doing anything with this. It is it's, it is anything that people have said, someone has bought into wholesale. Yeah. And um, they they will really pick apart anything that I put out there that doesn't align with their narrative.
0: Right. Speaking of demons, that was something in- – when Lou Elizondo brings that up quite a bit about there actually being people who are in charge who are saying, do not investigate this because we know what they are and they're demons. That's that's not surprising. I really wish that was surprising. And do you feel like something like that, that these beliefs or the, these, that this whole UFO topic just completely interferes with their personal beliefs? And that means write it off immediately is exactly
1: well and he uses the reference a lot a long time ago people didn't want to look through the telescope when they started trying to say hey we we aren't the center of the universe the sun doesn't rotate around us we rotate around the sun look at this telescope the catholic church wanted to do it so that's that is still something that we deal with today people have been dismissing the ufo topic for so long they they just say well I'm not going to even look into it because it's. I know it's not real, so there's nothing right. for me to look into. So they've 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 made their conclusion without looking at any evidence, basically. Right. And, okay. And they're very rigid in their yeah, in their stance. They are.
0: Um. So let, let's dive into this a little bit, just based on everything that you've come across. Do are you 100% convinced, or I guess what percentage convinced are you that these objects that are in the sky that these Navy pilots are seeing are not foreign adversary? Um.
1: I'm, I'm always going to say I'm 99% sure because right. I'm, I'm all, I'm, never know, human. Never know. I'm prone yeah. to error. So I, but from the capabilities that they've reportedly had been shown, uh, like David Fravor's encounter in 2004 and the, the accounts earlier than that, with the speeds without the sonic booms with the right angle turns that go back to the forties to me, if there was a place that had technology back in the forties that far advanced of what we have today, the United States would not be number one. It would be whoever those guys were would be number one if they wanted to sit on that throne. Uh, so it's it's very, it's pro, there's a possibility that it's a foreign adversary, but the probability of that is so slim. I I wouldn't put any money on that. That's a losing bet.
0: Right. So do you feel like there's any chance at all that? maybe they're not extra if they're not our adversaries and let's just throw out there, they're not extraterrestrial. Do you think there's a chance that these things could be from earth? Some, like we talked about earlier, maybe these ancient civilizations and stuff like that. Like we
1: don't know where. So, so I, I was strictly nuts and bolts for most of my life. Mm -hmm. And when I say nuts and bolts, that means I was looking at it from the, well, these are aliens coming on in on shiny metal ships from somewhere in the galaxy to, to interact with us. Well, I've had to change my perspective over the last two to three years, most likely, to incorporate other possibilities because it, um, well, Jacques Vallée, who's been investigating this topic more than anybody else that I'm aware of over, like he was Jay Allen Hynek's right-hand man, um, he doesn't know what it is. And he thinks it could be, he says the more he looks into it, the more confused he is. And I think he also has a quote that says, I'm the only U.F. just that doesn't know what this is. And he's the guy, he's the man. Um, So it, so it could be something. um, The fact that there's a historical record that shows there are interactions with other intelligence that is usually credited for advancements in certain civilizations. Advancement leads me to believe there's been something, there's been something present on earth for a long time. What that is, we don't know, of course, uh, is that what angels are? Is that what um, ghosts are? Things like that. Maybe it could be confused for something else. Um, maybe there's other. So, so I think maybe four years ago there was a civilization discovered in Central America. I can't remember what their name was. We had no record of them. So if if and they're humans, yeah, we, we know what to look for when we're trying to find other humans. What if there's another uh, intelligent species that we we don't know how they act. We don't know anything about them. What's the chances of us finding them in historical records? Slim, because we just don't know what to look for. Uh, and if we're not seeking it out, we're not going to find it. It's going to have to be just random chance. So the Paracus skulls, which I don't know if you're familiar with those, the elongated skulls. And yes, this, okay. Uh, what are those things? Like if, if the Denisovans that they've discovered that were basically about twice the size of a regular human. What, what were Wait, they? the denisovans yeah. i've heard
0: this name before what yeah. what were well, the
1: denisovans the denisovans are there's a cave in france where they found a molar that was basically twice the size of a human molar Whoa. but they've they've said based on our analysis and all the information we have i think they found another bone in that same cave and it was named after a guy named dennis the cave Natural. like yeah. the home was i cave <laughs> named Denis, so it's called denisovans <laughs> uh, but they they've said these these are a, a branch of our history and we just don't know anything about them. It's like Neanderthals. Like were they all kit like dragging their women by the hair and clubbing things all the time? Or did they have a, a, a group that got more advanced than others or could it have occurred in any other species on the planet? Could they have also advanced? And we just don't know what their advancements look like. Cause we, they would think in a totally different way than we think. So I do think it's possible that we had and intelligence on earth that we're not aware of now that could have influenced us. And I, I don't know how they can get here today and interact with us today, but it's, there's always a chance there is.
0: Yep. Well, this, this ancient, this ancient civilization, or I guess rather the idea of being, or of our ancestors being visited by whatever this phenomenon is early on, there are some really eerie pictures Oh yeah, of paintings uh, there's even ones I believe there's one with Jesus on the cross and there is a UFO in the background um, I'm trying to think there, there's there's just numerous examples
1: of UFOs and or... it's not painting, just paintings. It's cave art. It's, yes. It's, there's all kinds of stuff. The, that, uh, what, the Dogon tribe that has information about the universe that they shouldn't have based on their technology. So it's all kinds oh, of crazy ooh. stuff. All right. Go there. Is, is Are they the ones from Australia? No. Those are... I'm thinking... You're, you're thinking ab- of Aboriginal, Aboriginal. Right. Thing. Okay. The Dogon tribe is a tribe in Africa that has basically star maps. And they have star maps that are so accurate that we weren't able to re- reproduce them until telescopes were invented but their tribe had it before that so there's how did they get that information so that's that's the kind of thing where i'm like i don't know what has (sighs) happened in our past but we don't know the full story
0: no we don't and that doesn't necessarily mean aliens came down and gave them all this information maybe there was just a different intelligence around or they had a different Different way of of measuring it that got lost in history or something but man there there is just there is so much in history that points to this being something that has been continuous. And, and our, I, in your interview with Lou Alessandro, I remember you saying that, you know, it's kind of, of your belief based on everything that you've seen that you would kind of side towards this has been an ongoing thing yes. throughout, throughout history. And when you look at it from the perspective of, we don't even know how to describe it now where we are technologically. There's no way back then that they would have had any idea what was going on or how to describe it. And when you go back and look at some of those ancient writings, even if you look at some of the stuff in in the Bible, there's, if you just kind of shift it over a little bit, it eerily makes sense.
1: Yeah. So there's all kinds of strange things in our history that are yet to be fully appreciated, I guess I'll say. Um, I don't know how to handle it all. It's a, it's a lot, but that's, that's why I think this topic is so interesting because it, it's not just today that this has impacted humanity. It, it goes back and I feel like there's a link that kind of links us. If this is, is the same intelligence that was, that's engaging with us now that was engaging with our ancestors, then to me that makes it seem um, warm and fuzzy uh, for a lack of better term, because I want to be connected to all the great achievements that our ancestors have have put on this earth for us to appreciate the great pyramids. Oh, my goodness. There's all kinds of amazing things around this planet. And I want to I want to I appreciate it and and all the effort they put into it. And if there's something that is common between those civilizations and us today, that makes me feel better. That makes me feel like the world uh, is is meant for us to be here it's 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 a rewarding experience to be connected to those those guys
0: so if you had to guess and i say guess right now do you think our government knows what's going
1: on i think parts of it Mm -hmm. know more than others do and that they're not going to share the information um that's that's what we saw with the uh dod inspector general having to get involved because the brian bender with politico put an article out saying hey the task force is running up against roadblock after roadblock trying to collect this information because they're being stiff-armed is the exact term in the heading of his article. The UAP Task Force is being stiff-armed by the branches of the military because they don't want to share their information. And I've been trying to figure out like how that would work or why that why it is that way. And if the DOD is your parents and you and the Air Force, the Army, the Marines are the kids, I'm going to try to get more more than my fair share uh, from my parents, then I'm going to let my brothers. So, and I'm also not going to give them anything that would give them advantage to get them uh, a favor in my parents' eyes. So that's why they, I think they hold it tight because it's an advantage to them to keep that information away from their counterparts because of the funding issue that comes from the parent mechanism, which is at the DOD. You're right. And
0: And honestly, I I think there is an argument and and I understand that this isn't going to be what people want to hear, but it it really is like, let's say China and Russia or other foreign adversaries have this technology, which is pretty much at, at this point, like it's pretty much confirmed that everybody has one of these. It seems like like not
1: confirmed, but it's. Well, like not, the, it's I'm certainly not being denied. Yeah. Uh, an investigation task force or something. Is that what you're referring to? Well, just, well, I'm talking even just crash, like
0: crashed crafts. Like it's nobody's denying it. Essentially nobody's confirming it, but every, but yeah. people are making well, sure to not
1: deny it as and, well. And I have a hard time trying to figure out or wrap my mind around how they're looking at this little sliver of a piece of wreckage, the, Magnesium and bismuth layered thing. How how are we focusing so much attention on that? If there's a full craft somewhere, like that's the thing that there's so so many of these contradictory sets right. of information and data data points. I don't know. It's hard to say. I put all my faith in one thing. Yeah. So that's why you got to just kind of take it all in and and figure out what you think makes the most sense to you. What do you think of Bob Lazar and his story? Um, I, I actually. I've I've gone back and forth on him, of course, um, but the the most convincing thing that I've heard lately is Grant Cameron's take on it, which he's basically saying, well, Bob Lazar was basically being used to try to get to a guy named John Lear. Have you ever heard of John Lear? He's from
0: Lear Jets. Uh, yeah, his okay. dad
1: was the um, inventor or the creator or the the guy that did Lear Jets. Well, he he was into the topic and. They found out that Bob Lazar had a slight relationship with John Lear, and then all these things happened at Area 51, and he had John Lear come out and witness it with him. So all these things lined up to where it could be a um, an operation to try to get at John Lear is is the one that I've heard recently that I'm like, oh, that does kind of line up. It sounds like something the government would do. Yeah, like if, if they were trying to get somebody, they could do a covert op to try to in in that manner to try to get to a guy without directly coming at him, like try to sidestep him, flank him, and, and do it that way. But uh, I also like to think about when I when I listen to the Bob Lazar story, I like to listen to Bob, and if he's telling us the truth, and if it was in me in his shoes, how would I describe what I saw to the general public? And I'll tell you right now. He describes it in ways that I would describe it. Like I feel like he's yeah. being honest. I feel like he's being truthful and isn't wavering. And and, and I'm sure there's he, tons of people that are going to be like, well, I looked at this one thing and he he said the instead of the that time. So I'm, I don't. <laughs> Everything's f- off just now. The whole thing, <laughs> right? Yet. Um. So, but overall, man, the guy seems reluctant to even be in the spotlight. yet yeah, at, at this point, but he and he's never monetized it. He's never made any money off of it. And for the most part, his story is held, been the same yeah. since the late 80s. And and logical. It's, it, there's a lot of logic in what he said. And like the, the, the hand scanner thing that came out in the Jeremy Corbell movie, to me, that's like, well, he um, was he, he was No one, one else right. was talking about that.
0: Yeah. yeah. W- he was proved right on that. Element 114. 15. 115, oh, 15. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Element 115. Yeah. He was proved. That came turned out to be true. The, the part about Lazar that interests me. And I don't even know, I've never heard him say public, but I know Joe Rogan said that Bob Lazar had said that, uh, or no, uh, Bob Lazar actually said in that interview that he had heard or he had read in the documents, like the briefing documents that he got that these crafts were from Zeta Reticuli, that star system. And even more interesting than that, Joe Rogan's mentioned several times about his conversations with Lazar that there is a pretty strong belief that these things may be what our idea of God is. Like they, they may have kind of come down and uh, interfered
1: a little bit. Well, I, I also don't think there's one thing. It's not like a one size fits all explanation to it. I think there's multiple things, multiple options uh, on the table that need to be investigated further. And that's what this whole thing is about is less, right. we don't need to solve it and figure out exactly what it is. That's that's the end goal we just need to start looking into it in a professional, ridicule free manner. Uh, but back to that Bob Lazar briefing, that's one of the things that I have a hard time with. And mm-hmm. his story is so you got a new employee. But he admits it too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. going
1: to give them all the goods right up front. Like is, it, that seems a little bit um, unlikely. But then again, I, I'm a fan of the, um, the community. Have you seen that show? I've seen episodes. I I love it. I just haven't watched it. Yeah. So there's one episode where they're trying to recruit one of the characters to come into the HVAC program instead of whatever it was he was in. And so they they don't want him to go and tell people about the uh, recruitment process. So they have... A a black guy dressed up as Hitler making an omelet on one side of the guy that's having the conversation with him and an astronaut doing like ironing a shirt on the other. So he can't go and tell his story and be like, they were telling me this. There was a guy, there was Hitler making a bagel and there was an astronaut ironing his clothes. Like as soon as, if if you can muddy the water, if you can sprinkle lies in with the truth, everyone's going to dismiss the truth is what it boils down to. It's smart. So so that's what I'm wondering happened with him. Maybe they did provide him... With some of the truths, but then they sprinkled in all this other disinformation to where when he tells a story, it's not gonna sound good. It's gonna be difficult for people to swallow, which it
0: is. It's very difficult for people to swallow. And I, I guess let me let me ask you this just kind of for fun. If they came to you and said, All right, Dan, here's the whole, here's the whole UFO thing. And they and they confirmed they're like, Okay, yeah, these things have been here for two million years, they interfered in our revolution and we are the product of their intelligent
1: design. Um, do you tell people you go public with something like that? I mean, not at the risk of my family or anything like that. I got a, I got a, I got mouths to feed and people to take care of, of course. So I'm not going to put, I, I if, th- if you were
0: in charge of disclosure to the public and that's what the information was. Would you feel comfortable telling the public something like I've, that? I've actually never thought about that. So you, hit me I, I don't, I don't know. Just, I don't know if I could do it. That, that no. seems, that seems like a, um, a breaking point. Yeah,
1: for it, a lot of people. That I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. That's not a fun <laughs> job to have. Like when you have to let go of someone. I've had to do that in my career. And that's not a fun conversation to have. And I feel like this would be a thousand times, that would be a thousand times worse than that. So it would be really difficult to do, but I think that I would want to communicate that to certain members of the community. Um, I don't know. I, i I, like I said, I've never thought about that before. I've never, I don't expect. It's a weird question. I don't (laughs) It'd be a lot cooler if you were the guy that got to release all that. What, what does disclosure mean to you? Um, to me it just means hey the government says we're not alone there we have confirmed and here's a not, here, there needs to be a video there needs to be something uh, that's indisputable as far which of course when I as soon as I say that I also go man computer graphics are awesome these days it's gonna, it's gonna be really hard to convince somebody that that thing is not altered in, in, in on the video right but if it's filmed from a uh, a Jet or something like that—that sure does lead a lot, lend a lot of credibility to the sighting. So I I think it's going to have to be the government and the. To me, I'm a U.S. citizen, so to me, that's where I need my. I feel like my government needs to tell me, "Hey, we we have known this. This is legit," and I feel like that's slowly coming out. It's a process they're going through so that they don't shock the system um, and and cause a lot of panic. So that I feel like they're slowly trying to. Mm -hmm more or less um, process of elimination. They're saying, they just admitted in this New York Times article, it's not us. So that's coming out in this report, uh, supposedly. Well, China has just come out and said, well, we're investigating and we have our own task force. So that leads me to believe they're not responsible for all these sightings. But then there's also the time associated with it. Like it goes so far back. It's hard for me to believe any adversary would, but I feel like they're slowly going to try to do the process of elimination and then let people kind of figure it out on their own. That's what it feels like. Come back on, come back in and say like, oh, you guys already figured it out. Thank goodness. I'm going to go ahead and confirm it now.
0: Yeah, that's exactly. It feels like this disclosure, exactly what you said. God, that's spot on that. They're trying to help us learn it on our own.
1: I, and, I think that's what it is. Is they're 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 leading us to water, and they're going to let us drink when we're ready to, and then they'll come back and say, "Here's a cup." I, it does beg the question, though. How much do they actually know? Yeah, it, it, like I said, it, and um, the have you heard of the Wilson Davis leaks? The Wilson Davis, I know the name. So Jeremy Corbell talked about that. At one. Yeah. Point, so okay. this is, I want to say, it was the. Uh, Inspector General, I'm I'm, I'm going to forget what his name is. Thomas Wilson is his name, but I can't remember his title. I think it was the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Okay, He was trying to get to the information. He found out there was a program outside of the government, government sponsored by a contractor, I, and I'm assuming it's Lockheed Martin or a company like that, where they have a program that he should have been over. He said, I've looked at this. I, not only should you guys be communicating, communicating this information to me about what's going on there. I should be over it. I should be in charge of this program. So let read me in. And they basically had a meeting with them and they brought their lawyers in and it wasn't at the Pentagon. It was at this contractor site. And they said, yeah, we've looked at it. You just don't have a need to know. So they've dismissed somebody at his level. Like he's top of the food chain in the DOD and he's denied that information because it's outside of his need to know. So I think there's a lot of siloed information. And this is, of course, the problem with what happened in nine eleven. Like, everybody was keeping their cards close to their chest. Who knows how many cards are in the playing deck in, in the UFO topic. So, how, how are we going to know what the picture is? How, how are we going to put a puzzle together without knowing how many pieces are in it and not having access Ooh. to all of them? That's a deep question. Yeah, if it, a lot of this is because,
0: from what it sounds like, is they've been working... The government's been working on this topic specifically with privatized companies, so they don't necessarily have to disclose
1: that because to each other. That, that allows them to be FOIA-exempt, Freedom, Informa- Freedom of Information Act, and that's why I say FOIA because yeah. it's, it's a long, long title, but uh, because they are FOIA-exempt, they don't have to, they're not subjected to John Greenwald with the Black Vault. Like he, that guy is awesome. That dude's a monster. Oh man. Like, John Greenwald,
0: man. I, I've only been following him for a couple months now, but I, does that dude live there? Like where he's just doing nothing, but just like handing them FOIAs. Like
1: if you, if it is, I think that's about it. I think he does them a, a daily on a daily basis. Like he's been doing it for decades. Like ever since, like if you listen to his backstory on any of his podcast, it's, it's like a nerd's dream. Like, I was so obsessed with this that I, I this is what I studied when I was 14 years old and I started writing and he's like perfected the process basically. So he can like that guy is the is the hammer. Like he's got he keeps the government in check because they can't lie because he's gonna turn around and say, Show me your cards. Right. So, so I consider him like a in the in the UFO investigation hierarchy or food chain, he's a shark. Oh, yeah. Like, if there's any weakness shown in the argument that's trying to be made, he's going to find it, and he's going to clamp down on it, and here's documentation that you I, I call your bluff and you're BSing us. So he, he is a valuable, incredibly valuable asset to have on our team. One thing that I
0: know Lou Elizondo mentions quite a bit, and this is when they ask him – you know, is this extraterrestrial? Where, where is this from? And by the way, this is actually an interesting observation. In the past couple of interviews he's done, I haven't noticed him do this, but Jacques Vallée did it too. And I know Lou Elizondo does that. When anybody mentions the word alien or extraterrestrial, the first thing they do is bring up the word interdimensional. Okay. They immediately go to interdimensional. I'm not sure if that's just like to kind of fill the blanks because, you know, wait, hey, we don't know. Let's just make sure we encase all of them. Or if there is a purpose to that. I really struggle with the idea of interdimensional, not because I don't believe it because I don't get it.
1: Well, I'm in the same boat because yeah. they, they, I can't remember what physicist is. Michio Kaku's probably said it yeah. multiple times, but there's 11 dimensions. I don't know. I, I know three. In time. So, it, so what that means when you get above the three <laughs> dimensions that we're used to operating on, I'm assuming time is the fourth dimension. I'm not, I'm not very knowledgeable on this particular topic, but What else is there? Like, what does that mean to other dimensions? From from
0: what I gathered from this, from my idiotic brain, trying to understand it, interdimensional, essentially like when you wave your hand over a worm, I think they have, the worm has no idea that you're there because they're only operating, and I don't know this, they're only operating on specific dimensions. So when I hear people talk about the fourth dimension, and this is how it was explained to me by a physicist, it's that if they were in a fifth dimension, like a fourth or fifth dimension or whatever, they're looking down on you. They see all angles of you at one time. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're indoors, outdoors. It's kind of creepy, but it's yeah. it's really creepy. But now when you compare that, and there, there's a lot of what I'm about to say that I don't necessarily buy into, but when you go into the abduction stories, boy, that's starting to make a lot of sense mm-hmm. that they're able to just kind of reach down, pick you up. Doesn't matter if you're indoors, outdoors, they can see you at all. Like it's.
1: Oh, I mean, you can relate it to fish. Fish live in a right. certain world and you can pluck them out and they have no, like this is not their environment. So they are completely in a different dimension as soon as they hit the air. So it maybe that's a decent way to it. I think about that's a good it. way of putting about it. But
0: yeah, like able to just pluck down and just kind of grab you it sounds a lot like with you. the The more you look into the interdimensional stuff the, the the more it seems like whatever's going on there is likely somehow involved in that doesn't mean it's not extraterrestrial doesn't mean it's not from here it just means that the way that they're just they can just disappear like that it would make a lot more sense if they're just kind of flipping into a different dimension okay. that we can't realize instead of actually taking off at
1: like speed like well, on, I'm, on, I'm I want it to be able to accelerate that fast because I want to ride in one of those Can things. you imagine, that dude? Awesome. If we
0: got a hold of that technology, being able like be like,
1: hey, you want to go to Italy for lunch? Sure. Yep. And just it's, it's gonna be like walking across the street. Well, and and I tell my kids like it sounds fun, but like it would serve such a awesome functional purpose. Like we would be able to deliver food around the world so easily to to third world countries. Like the, the so many. It would, benefit would, it would revolutionize technology. revolutionize the world. It would be like the internet, but physical. Like we'd be able to connect. That's a that's a great comparison. Yeah, I mean it would change the world and the day that it came out. Yeah. And, it, assuming we could reproduce them easily and effectively.
0: Yeah, and that, that's one of the things that worries me is that we know our government's run by corporations, essentially. And when because introducing something like that, oil, big energy, all that's just gone. Like they're done. Like they're, they're, they they have nothing that can compete with that ever. They're done. And they are pretty much the ones that are controlling the government right now through.
1: Well, we'll still need lubricants for our machines and manufacturing type things. So there's still some need for it, but you're right. It's going to just kill it. And that's why I don't think. Which is going to, I mean, overall it's a good thing. Like, I mean, what's, what's, it's a big pollutant. Like we, we need to find a way to protect our home. And that's, uh, it's not an abduction story, but that's like the the aerial school encounter. Zimbabwe? In Zimbabwe. That's that, the message they kept putting that's, to those kids. And, and
0: the Zimbabwe story is the most convincing case, I think. Which did
1: you see that they just got the rights? Uh, I think they just got the rights put out there or purchased by the production company. So that movie should actually be. They're actually produced. making a movie about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, so they, they, they covered it in the James Fox, the phenomenon. movie. Yeah, great movie. But at the same time they were doing that, they were, they were also making a video that focuses strictly on the Zimbabwe case and it's going to be like an hour and a half long movie doc infotainment documentary type. Right. And that's the one I'm like, that's got to be the most relatable story in this entire UFO subject. Like kids. Right. Real real quick,
0: real quick for people who don't know that. Can you do like a quick summary real quick? So make great TikTok. I'm going to give
1: it a shot. Do it. You got this. You got this. All right, so I think it was 1994, and they had a school in Zimbabwe that was full of a bunch of kids from all different kinds of backgrounds and walks of life who then, after they got up and left, they've scattered all over the globe, which I find is an interesting thing that they picked, um, that this happened there. But they, a craft landed on the outskirts of their playground, and all the kids that were out there just – did what kids do like, Oh my goodness, look, let's go over there and look at it. So they all went over to this object outside of the zone. They were allowed to, to, to go outside of. So they, it had to have been important for them to be able be willing to, uh, get in trouble to go see this thing. And there was a object that is a flying saucer. There's no other way to describe it. Right. Uh, but then they started seeing an entity or two. I I believe it was two of them. They were outside of it and running back and forth. And, uh, had this interaction, they were spoken to telepathically and given information about, hey, you guys need to take care of your planet, you guys need to to be better caretakers, and you need to be careful of technology. All of those things seem eerily, and this is like kids that are six, seven, eight years old that are, that are saying this, that are in the middle of Zimbabwe in the 90s that, I mean, the internet wasn't a thing for them it, so they essentially had, they had no reference of UFO culture. Correct. So, right. so it was just, I mean, they were a blank canvas, for lack of better terms, for this whole UFO thing. So uh, they got that information. John Mack, who was a Harvard-trained physicist, or not physicist, psychologist, um, went am- almost immediately and investigated these kids. And he, he was, he's been in this subject as well, trying to figure out the abduction story. And he found the kids to be truthful that they were they were being honest, and they had this incredible encounter and hasn't been able to be explained. So those same kids have been interviewed just last, like, two, three years ago, and they're all saying the same thing. Like, it's, it's true. Uh, my One of the things that my – I actually had my mother-in-law sit down with me and watch the phenomenon last week. Oh, nice. And she was like, the thing about it is they all describe the, the eyes, the big eyes on these things. Every one of the kids said that that's consistency in a story and where else are you can see something with big eyes that, that don't, that doesn't fit it's, a normal human anatomy. Like
0: it's really ironic that that is for, since the beginning of the UFO UFO culture, that that general alien look has not changed at all. Yeah. Like it's been really consistent. Like you said, the big eyes, big heads, skinny bodies,
1: it's eerie. Yeah, it's, it's eerie. Eerily consistent. Yeah. So, so the, there's there's all kinds of theories out there. One of them um, that explains that is, I think Joe Rogan's mentioned it yeah. several times. Like, hey, that's probably what we'll look like. Uh, give us fifty thousand years, we're gonna evolve. We're indoors all the time. I mean, we don't live outside like we used to. Like, we're gonna adapt. We'd become more hairless. Uh, our eyes would probably get bigger because we want to absorb more information through them. So maybe. Mm-hmm. That, that could be us from the future coming back, which Michael P. Masters has kind of been the tip of the sword or tip of the spear on that theory, uh, basically stating that what we're seeing is us from the future coming back to keep us from screwing up because it makes sense. Like, hey, um, don't kill yourself because that eliminates me. So th- there's a vested interest in someone from the future coming back to see you, which is all speculation. I'm right. not trying to say that's... Ha-
0: has, there ever, has there been cases or anything... Where they do seem to be kind of trying to assist us in a way. Um, I mean, I, I get the reference, not the reference. Them actually with the nuclear missiles, they seem really fascinated by nuclear missiles and uh, capabilities of shutting them off. But then you hear, I think it was Lou Elizondo who just a couple of days ago said they've also been caught turning them on.
1: Yeah. So Which so <laughs> that's. So this is this will get into the abduction aspect of it which i'm not super well versed in it like from my channel you can tell i'm just trying to find things that are like hey here's what's going on this this is the investigation so here's my understanding of some of the um experiences that have been had by people directly being contacted by them. is like travis walton who is the guy that fire in the sky was made after did some stupid stuff in the woods and got shot with a laser beam Well, he says now he's like, I thought they abducted me, but they were probably just kind of nullifying the situation and I got hurt and that they took me and they, they healed me and then they let me go again. So I think that they actually didn't intend to harm me, but they did. And so they made it right. They made it right. And that's Travis Walton saying that who has one of the most traumatic experiences that I've ever heard. Uh, and there's been other s- cases similar to that where things have been cured on people. I think Terry Lovelace is another guy that's had uh, a situation where he, Chris Bledsoe, he had uh, Crohn's disease. I'm not familiar with either of these. Oh, you, Chris Bledsoe's story is the most, is it the most current, amazing UFO abduction story or interaction story, and it's still ongoing to this day. His son is Ryan Bledsoe. Shout out to Ryan. Um, he is on UFO Twitter all the time, so you can always get a hold of him. And he is a, a he, he's he's a son, and he wasn't the one that experienced it directly, but he's probably the most well versed in it because that's his dad, that's who he talked to. Uh, but I, I, it's going to be really hard for me to describe. The whole scenario. Go for it.
0: I, I, I got to hear this now. Right. Obviously, everything, like we said and we keep saying, everything is just kind of like speculation we're talking about today. But I'm very curious about this story. All right. So, I, this is
1: new. So, Ooh, Chris is- and Ryan, if I slaughter this, I apologize, and I will gladly allow you to correct me. Uh, but Chris was suffering from Crohn's disease. He was building houses. He was a construction, a general constructor, uh, contractor, and very successful. He was very... He's a sharp dude. He can build airplanes. He can remodel cars. Well, he started having health issues, and he had uh, some co-workers that uh, they had just finished a job, and they said, hey, in celebration of finishing this job, let's go fishing together. So he, he, Chris, one of Chris's sons, the two contractors that worked for him all went fishing, and while they uh, were fishing, Chris kind of wandered off on his own because he was – wanted to do some inner thought and basically said, all right, Lord, if either heal me or kill me because I'm tired of living this way, because I mean, he was, things were going downhill for him real fast. So after he basically said that some light showed up in the sky and he was like, that's really weird. They came in closer and then they went away and then he went back to where his buddies were and they were all frantic and they were like, where have you been? And he said, I just went up the hill. What well, were for three hours? And he was like, for 20 minutes. And so they said, oh, where's my son? And he said, he's out in the woods looking for you because he's absolutely beside himself because he doesn't know where you are. You disappeared. And he's like, no, I didn't. I've only been gone for 20 minutes. What are you talking about? So that's when it started. And um, his son ended up, while he was searching for him in the woods, there were I can't remember if it was one, two, or three entities that he saw and had red eyes and big red eyes um, that fit the typical um, profile of what you would call an alien or a gray that right. had, if it had red and glowing eyes. That's the the weird one. Uh, but that's just the start of it. So that was the encounter that kind of went from Chris being just a guy with Crohn's, just a regular guy, to being the center of this investigation that has now been investigated by— uh, he's he's got his picture in the Vatican uh, next to one of the popes. It's crazy. Uh, Diane Pasolka has written a book called American Cosmic about his experience. They were uh, MUFON came and investigated it and and basically drug him through the mud. And I don't understand the logic behind them basically trying to squash the story. You would think they would be the main proponents for it, but they uh, I don't. Do they, they just try to? It seems like a lot of these. Organizations
0: just try and separate themselves from any abduction story.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it's too woo, is a lot of times what will happen. So, um, sorry, I got a bird. You're good. Um, but then, so, so after that experience happened, there were other situations around his house that would occur. And the one that everyone always goes back to is called the lady. So he was. He started getting up at night and going and seeing things in the skies, like orbs typically uh, is, is what people describe him as. Well, he ended up being kind of called out one night from bed and went out into the woods, and all of a sudden he turned around and looked behind him, and there's was this uh, etheric bull, like a, a, a hologram for lack of a better term. That was the size of a bull that he thought was real, and he completely freaked out and turned because yeah. like, he thought he was about to get gored. So he ended up falling on the ground, and when he was on his hands and knees, he looked up, and all of a sudden the bull was gone, and there was this lady, this blonde lady in a robe, uh, floating on uh, off of the ground in front of him, and basically was talking to him telepathically, and gave, um, gave him this strange, and I'm, I'm not going to do this story justice. Richard Dolan interviews him with a three-part series. That's the one you need to listen to, because that's Chris telling it for himself. Uh, but they give him this this sausage like you know those hamburger sausages like the five pound hamburger sausage things you get at the store it's like that but it was fuzzy and it had bones in it and they gave it to chris and he and it was hurting him, like it was pricking them and she said this is your burden this is yours to keep you have to keep this with you and so he was like all right i don't know what to do with it and he had a dog kennel uh, like he had a bunch of hunting dogs so he went to put it in the kennel and then when he turned around the lady was gone and then when he turned around the thing was gone and that that sausage, that, that fuzzy sausage is the metaphor for I need you to go and start talking to people about what you've experienced, your encounters with whatever this is with me. And so um, Ryan, that's what he took away from it. That's what he took away from it. And like I said, you got to listen to the Richard Dolan right. version of it because it's three hours. I'm trying to I'm trying my best to, to get this condensed. But that's the bulk of it is the lady showed up. What has happened in the last eight months, I'd say, is um, Ryan Bledsoe has become a presence on social media and kind of is the family spokesman. Well, he has said the the lady basically told Chris Bledsoe or implied like who she was to him, which, excuse me, um, if you're familiar with the Egyptian gods of of old. A little bit, yeah. She basically implanted in his mind that she was Hathor, H-A-T-H-O-R, who is the uh, represented by a bull and or oh, a okay. cow goddess. I think so. There's a, and she's like the wife of Ra. I'm I'm not going to be able to get that accurate either. So don't judge me too harshly if my uh, Egyptian Egyptian do God your own homework. Everyone. This. Yeah, um, but that's that's one of those things where I feel like if this lady and and this, I'm gonna start putting tangents together, but Lou has talked about maybe there are entities among us that perceive time differently than what we perceive it. Like he, it, it's called the cigarette analogy, and it's basically you look at a, a lit cigarette. There's the ash, there's the cherry, and then there's the part that's about to burn. The cherry is time is is the current time. That's our perception of what's going on. But what if there's other creatures where the cherry is multiple times larger than what it is right now? Like the, the cherry in a cigarette doesn't burn perfectly flat. It, it has undulations in the way that it burns. It's not always completely even. So that's his description of time. It, it could be something that's burning. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way to describe it where, to me, it would make more sense if it is time is eroding away. Well, if you look at the landscape around you, it doesn't erode at a same at the same rate. That's why we have hills. That's why we have all kinds of different uh, geology. Well, maybe that's what time does. Maybe it erodes at different rates based on certain parameters that we aren't quite sure of, like the mass of a planet impacts the time. Like if you've seen, is it inception where they go on the one planet and it's like, they're only gone for a few hours, but when they get back to the main mothership, it's just oh, what movie years. is, that? um, not Inception. interstellar, interstellar. Yeah, yeah. That, that movie, like if, if maybe there's things in our, beyond our comprehension that influence how time erodes away. So I, I'm wondering if, uh, I'm saying that to get back to this Hathor person, the lady, maybe she's the same person that is the Egyptian goddess from their time. And she interacted with them and, back then, and she's interacting with us through Chris Bledsoe right now. And, that, Ooh, and that, that connects the dots for me to ancient Egypt, which is like my first obsession when I was a kid. Like, I mean, everything, every school project was was about pyramids for me growing Why up. Why do
0: you think you were drawn to that?
1: Oh, man, it's just, it's the one of the greatest feats, if not the greatest feat of all humanity, in my opinion. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm a nuts and bolts guy. I'm, I'm not a touchy-feely emotional kind of... Uh, i can't appreciate socrates uh, like some might but i can watch i can look at a giant structure and be like that took a lot of work that took a lot of effort that took a lot of planning that's incredible so that's what i think drew drew me to it in the beginning uh but it's and it's just like anything else the more you dig into something like that that's so long ago the more mysterious and the fact that we don't know exactly how they built it still like they're still just speculating and um Brian Forrester's done a lot of work on trying to, to basically prove that they had lost advanced technology that helped them create them in the form of tools. So I'm not, uh, he's not saying anything like they used magic or anything like that, but like, Hey, wasn't sound levitation. One of the speculations, there's one of those, but like he's found like saw marks ah. on, on granite, like a circular saw. So there's all kinds of different technology that they had that we can't find any remnants of, um, the the skills that they had they couldn't have been done with just a hard rock or a copper chisel because it just wouldn't have worked on quartz or any, or granite or anything like that so yeah there's there's lost advanced technology but like what what you've also said is the sound levitation I, i've heard that used in some some uh, buddhist monks were able to do it or something like that i've i wonder if there used to be human capabilities that we have lost because we have kind of shifted our uh, we've gone away from spiritual connectivity yeah being connected to our surroundings and are focused on technology and gasoline <sighs> like that like if if we didn't go like if you were a native american going into the woods they're going to have a completely different experience than if you and me went in the same woods like they're going to perceive things differently maybe there's an ability like the the um, so I'm, I'm going to call them Samoans, but I, I lack a better term. I, I'm probably getting it wrong. That could navigate the world in boats. And I, my understanding—they they had to have been able to, right? Yeah. Like how? How can they? How can they figure that out? Did they have some kind of perception? Like how do, how do monarch butterflies migrate? It takes three generations of monarchs to migrate for their mating pattern. Like they go from Mexico to Canada and back. And it takes three generations. They don't transfer notes. How does that information from one generation that leaves Mexico get to the generation in Canada that comes back? Like, there's got to be something out there that we don't understand that we can't. Some people might call it the Akashic record. Um, oh, I know about the Akashic record. So that's that's, that's an one interesting of one. Like, like is there is our conscious and that's where the consciousness starts coming into it. Like maybe that's some that's something I've neglected for my entire investigation into the ufo topic because i've been nuts and bolts like it's it's got to be aliens on a shiny metal ship but maybe there's more to it than that and i haven't i'm still trying to wrap my mind around the consciousness aspect of it of course that's the big question for me
0: even beyond are we see okay when we're looking at the big questions like we talked about like are we alone what happens after we death After, after we die i think are we alone i don't even know if that's worthy of being one of the top questions anymore because we know the universe like it would be shocking if we were alone it'd be a big waste of space it would be a huge waste of space uh the big question for me is what is consciousness what's going on there and are we interconnected that's That's the like that's that's, and that's where
1: quantum uh physics comes into play it 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 does uh the
0: whole the whole quantum thing and i've heard um do you know who brian green is he's a physicist yeah, uh, physicist, bad hair. I think.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> he you know, he's fascinating, but he ha- he was talking about. No offense, like, Brian, if you ever happen to watch this, <laughs> trust me, he's not watching yeah. us. He's got better things to do, I'm sure. Uh, but he was talking about like how even things like from one side of the universe to the other are connected through like string theory and on like a quantum level, and um, that like that, and then well, then you hear reports about or not reports. I don't know. What, what have you heard about? These UFO, these craft being consciously controlled.
1: I've I've heard that that it's um, the movie *Abyss*. The *Abyss*. Have you seen that one? I have not. So it's a movie from James Cameron. I think it came out in '88 or something like that, '89. And the *Flight of the Navigator*. Have you seen that one? It's a. It's now on Disney Plus, but it's a spaceship that comes to Earth and it has a consciousness on it so it's basically there's a robot on there that's conscious that interacts Mm -hmm. with the occupant so it's 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 weird when you look back at some of these older movies how accurate or how much of the the information in those movies is still relevant to today's ufo investigation discussion so it's it's strange but uh to get back to the original question which was the consciousness connection to it uh to the craft i've heard that there's People that have, and this is all, like of course, speculation, yeah. that have been abducted, that have been able to fly the craft, according to Grant Cameron, I'm, I'm going to reference him, uh, he seems to be leading the effort on the consciousness connection to the UFO topic. So he is saying that the people that have been on the craft and abducted that are allowed to fly it say, well, you just kind of think it, and it does what you want it to do. It's just connected to you consciously, which then, of course, if these creatures are able to use telepathy to communicate with us is it the same conduit that they're using to transfer the data to drive something and operate a craft there, i'm fascinated by consciousness
0: for a, a multitude of reasons but it it's also on the topic of consciousness one of the things that pulls me out of uh, the ufo topic and i'm gonna get a lot of shit for talking about this is hypnotist i'm a certified hypnotist okay it's horseshit, not hypnosis. Hypnosis, there's a lot of really good hypnotists out there that do a lot of really good work. But that certificate that I got, there were people in the class that were never hypnotized. They never hypnotized anybody and took us like a, a, a week to get it. Like that means nothing. So, what made you want to get it? I used to, oh, I actually used to do a comedy hypnosis show for a while and I was really fascinated by consciousness. So I just wanted to take in as much information as I could and learn. Didn't take away anything from that and walked away knowing, thinking that the hypnosis industry is really pretty corrupt. Okay. So anytime I hear, um, an abduction story and and anytime that the word hypnosis is brought up, I'm out.
1: Like hypnotic regression. I'm out
0: because like I said, there are a lot of good hypnotists that do a lot of good work and a lot of good hypnotists that would be able to, uh, properly handle that situation. But the goal of hypnosis, and this is what was taught in our class, is to get people back in the seats. So almost like telling them what they want to hear. As a hypnotist, when somebody's hypnotized, you can easily guide them to where you want to go. If I if I were to hypnotize you right now, I could easily convince you that you were abducted by UFO. And that's scary. Yeah. And that's why I I'm well, don't do it. I'm not well, going to yeah. no, don't worry. I haven't practiced hypnosis in forever. Uh, but that's one of the reasons knowing that, knowing how easy it is for for a hypnotist to take a person and insert that into their head, and then they have this false memory of what happened, it it's it's a it's a it's a bad look. Now you have like psychiatrists and things like that, uh, the Betty and Barney Hill. That seems legitimate. Oh man, because well, when, there was there when, was no point of reference for alien abduction, yeah. so the psychiatrist or the hypnotist, whoever it was would not have been able to lead them down that path.
1: And I feel like there's a lot of cases that there is like distinct indicators of PTSD associated (laughs) with what's happened to them. Like that to me is like, Oh, they didn't, that didn't come out of nowhere. You don't just wake up with PTSD. Like something has to trigger that type of a reaction and emotion. (sighs) Yeah, (laughs) this is the the
0: whole consciousness thing. It's, um, I it's a there's theories that consciousness it's like its own like playing field almost like its own little atmosphere I guess that just like there's there's one consciousness that kind of covers the earth and you're just able to tap into it well yeah that's
1: one of the theories that I've heard is our mind is our are we a generator of consciousness or are we a receiver of consciousness right or are we a little of both like that that I did ask on one of my TikTok videos. I basically kind of said, hey, there's there's theories that your brain is like a radio and receives consciousness like radio waves or that you actually generate consciousness. What do you think it is? And some of the, one of the guys I've learned a lot from the people that make comments. Mm-hmm. And it's It has changed my perspective on a certain topics uh, or certain perspectives that I've had. But that was one of them that I thought was interesting is like maybe it's both. Maybe we receive information. Through consciousness, but we can also generate it. So to me, that one makes the most sense. That it's not, and and Lou said this before. It's it's we're prone as humans to to think in a binary manner, to where it's either this or it's that. Well, a lot of times it's something in the middle, and maybe that's what consciousness is. Maybe it's not we 100% receive or 100% generate. Maybe it's a mixed bag, and that makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, the, uh, and, and that kind of goes into the whole what happens when we die, because I think the kind of the question is is it, because obviously our bodies don't carry on, but does our consciousness, does that come into play? And I don't know, I don't, I don't know where to stand on that, honestly. Yeah. I, I'm literally 50 50. I don't, I don't know either way. But then you go and look at some of these, like there are a lot of really well renowned psychiatrists, Harvard, there, I can't think of his name. He was Harvard based psychiatrist who actually studied, um, God, what is that? Near death experiences. Near death experiences, but then the uh, where the kids are remembering past lives. Uh, really easy word. I, I know. I know. And now, now, I'm throwing it on you, so so you can't remember um, any uh, past life. Essentially, uh, reincarnation. reincarnation. There it is. <laughs> we found it. All right, reincarnation. That, that's a great look to talk about it, and not even know what it is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, reincarnation. Where these kids and stuff, and there's a lot of really well-renowned eerie cases where. These kids remember everything from like little kids, like two, like under two years old, up until the time they're like six. They remember things about their past life. They're able to go and talk to the families of who they think they are, and the families walk away believing that
1: that is them. Yeah. I would There's love a, to meet one of those kids. That would be well, what a that's fun the interesting conversation thing that would be because
0: around the age of six or seven, all those memories start fading.
1: That's what that's what I've heard as well.
0: Yeah, and that's that is eerie. And the other thing that and for people to take note on that is. These generally happen in cases where the person who they believe they were uh, lost their lives in traumatic fashion.
1: So high emotion. Like, uh, like the
0: them. most popular one is uh, a kid who remembers exactly where his plane went down in World War II over in Japan or like in the in the seas by Japan, I guess, in the Pacific Ocean remembers exactly where it went down, remembers his uh, the person who was in or his best friend, who was I think in the navy with him at the time? Okay, all that Rem- remembers all of that to a T, and even went and went when he his family even took him to the spot where he said his plane went down. When they got there, the kid just lost it, just completely, just became like an emotional wreck. But it felt better afterwards. Yeah, and then kind of moved on with his life like it was nothing. And you see stories like that, and I've I've looked into a couple of them, but there's been thousands and thousands and thousands and. It's eerie. It, ma- it makes well, you think that maybe maybe there is something a little bit more to, to all this than just come here, go do a nine to five job, so you can retire for five years and then die. Maybe, yeah. maybe there's a little bit more going
1: on. Well, that's that also leads me back to the Chris Bledsoe story because he was in a high emotional state when his thing occurred, and I feel like that that seems to be a common occurrence. Is these traumatic emotional? Well, that's I mean, there's so much paranormal stuff that this goes into as well but the high emotional event can occur and it seems to trigger something and so what does that what does that mean is that where is that something that registers on whatever this other intelligence is is it registers on the radar when someone is in that state of mind to where it kind of sends out uh well ha- have you heard of ce5 ce5 uh
0: close encounters Stephen steven, steven
1: greer what do you think of steven greer um i Will always say that I think he did a great job in the very beginning when he was um, putting forth all the effort and he gained a lot of ground for the UFO community. But things have changed since that happened 20 years ago. And now I don't know what he's doing. I, I, have you watched those documentaries at all? I have. Um, I think unacknowledged is the one that i'm gonna remember the most of i think yep. it was the one i watched most recently which is it's been a while so i can't remember the exact details on netflix i think is and, it, and, and one yeah. of those yeah and and i and i appreciate the message or i, I applaud the message of hey we need to be considered we need to stop trying to be hateful and be more compassionate caring loving that's i mean a message that it's a beautiful message it's a great message and it's repeated and we need to take care of our planet we need to do all things that's all good. I'm all on board with that. But charging people three thousand dollars to go there is where I look get at flares. Yep. And anytime he talks, it seems like he's saying, "And if you give me this, I'm going to make that." Uh, yeah, kind of a thing. Like it, it's it's I hate to say it, but I feel like he's become somewhat corrupted by greed. It fe- it it feels a little bit
0: that way. We have the same exact perspective on that. That's why this is so funny to me. And I've heard. And I'm not gonna. Try and start drawing. Not that anybody's watching me anyway, but there there are prominent members in the UFO community who have been very outspoken about the fact that maybe he is using flares. Has that been confirmed? Have you seen anything that confirms that? At all? I haven't. I haven't. I haven't been able either. To but get but I hear it. See it
1: for myself. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a prominent rumor. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's true mm-hmm. or not. Uh, there's there's only so much I can confirm. So uh, explain real quick what. Um, what it is that Stephen Greer actually does, because we're probably confusing a lot of people So right now. CE5 is basically a human-initiated contact with other intelligences. And that, in Stephen Greer's fashion, uh, includes meditation, group meditation, like the more people you have on the same wavelength that kind of reaches out into the universe and draws these intelligences' attention. And then he uses laser pointers to try to kind of uh, interact with them. And it seems to have worked. And, and he's got it branded as CE5. Like that's his more or less trademark version of it. But there's a lot of other people like engaging the phenomenon who's James And Doley. He's another UFO Twitter guy. Um, the guy from Project Unity, Jay, he does CE5, but they don't do what Stephen Greer says. They said, we just go out and we meditate and we try to try to seek enlightenment and reach out into the universe and we get a response. So it's a call and response type of an activity with whatever it is that's out there and the other intelligence that we're dealing with. But that's what CE5 is, is human initiated contact with the other intelligence.
0: I'd be very curious to hear some of these stories about the people who just go out and meditate and see what, have you ever tried anything like that? I've tried, I but
1: man, my, I'm not the meditation kind of guy. I can't, I can't quiet my thoughts. Like I've, I've I had insomnia real bad when I was a kid. Oh so, gosh. Um, uh, I have always had a hard time calming the mind, and I have a daughter that has the same that suffers from that same problem. So uh, it's interesting seeing it in reflected in your offspring. It's 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 entertaining, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I've never been able to do it to where I've been on target.
0: Have you ever had any kind of paranormal or UFO experience? I've I've actually never heard you
1: answer this. Um, I've never had anything paranormal or right. anything, but I mean, I have. So I, I got into night vision sky watching uh, about a year and a half. Oh, ago. that sounds sick. Um, and you like they sell them, well, at the time, they were like $100, $110, bucks, and you can buy a, a, a low-quality night vision monocular. But I'm telling you, that might be the best $110 you spend. Really? If you are into this kind of thing, because when you go outside and look at the night sky, you'll see, hey, look at that star. That's interesting. But if you hold that same hundred dollar monocular up to that star you're like oh that's not a star that's a cluster of like 20 stars so it just it's a force multiplier um i i, I sat in my backyard uh kind of just watching the sky, skies and listening to podcast, and i would see a shooting star every now and then i could see a satellite going overhead i could see some unusual things but then i got that monocular and it takes you from sitting on the bank of a lake and trying to wait for a fish to come by and bite your worm to getting in a boat and going out and try to hunt the fish and actively pursue them. So that's the difference between sitting in your backyard, staring at the sky and doing the same thing with night vision is you are actively pursuing targets and it is, it's, it really makes a difference. It it really allows you to see a lot more. And that's where I've had my two unexplained, which they're not the most significant, uh, nothing that would, that I, I,
0: I do, sorry to interrupt I love how you call
1: it unexplained and not yeah. and not UFOs aliens I, something like that. That. I love that you called it unexplained. Um, one of them was what I would describe as an orb I guess and of course I could be wrong. It could be dust floating in front of it but I've recorded a lot of dust I've recorded a lot of bugs I've recorded a lot of things and that's that was my my background when I was started getting this thing I was like well I'm not just gonna like hey look I filmed one thing and isn't it amazing I'm like I'm gonna record as many mundane things. So that's that, smart. That's smart. So that Preference. I can say, look at all this stuff I've recorded. I know what a bat looks like. I know what a bird looks like. I know what all these things look like. By the way, birds flying at night. It looks really cool because it's like all of a sudden there's this V pattern in the sky. And for like that split second, your heart, yes. goes are like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a flock of birds. It's it's easy to, but for that split second it get your heart going. Um, but I've I recorded a lot of mundane things, but I just had this one, I'm going to call it an orb. It looks like Looking at the top of a jellyfish in the ocean and it kind of undulates, but it was also like flash, like it was increasing in intensity as far as its brightness goes. And it was kind of, it looked like it was floating in the sky as I was basically panning from right to left and it went over my house. So, so it was literally moving. It wasn't just like, um, it, it was moving. And I did an experiment to where I was like, well, how big was it? Cause I can, I can look at the video and say, all right, look, that's how big it looks on the screen. But what does that mean? Because right. it mean distance is going to change how the size of that object. So I stood 20 feet away from a wall and I put a quarter on and it was the same size. So whatever it was, if it was 20 feet away from me, it was the size of a quarter that was floating. If it was closer, it was bigger. Or, I mean, if it was closer, it was smaller than that, but if it was further away, it starts to magnify in size, so who knows what what the actual size, whatever it was. I saw it was, but that was one of them. I've got it actually on YouTube on one of my channels, but it's like I said, it's night vision. It's not the best video. the The second unexplained I had was a 23 minute sighting of a blinking light in the sky, which it's boring. It's it's not much to look at. It's not eye candy, as I call it. But I had a, I had my night vision on a, a tripod. And I had just pointed in the sky. I was panning left and right, and I saw something flash. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. And I just set it on there. Five seconds later, it flashed again. I was like, oh, what's that? So then I just left it, and it sat there and flashed for 23 minutes. And this, and we're in middle Tennessee. I'm in Cookville. Mm. There's not a lot around my town outside of Cookville city limits. So there, there wasn't, some, there wasn't a, a reason to have a drone flying in the sky. Not for 23 minutes. And so I've recorded this whole thing, and I've taken it and put it on a, uh, basically where I've, every frame where it flashed, I would separate and put onto the presentation, and you can scroll through it. The object stayed so still, so, still so locked in the sky that the stars were zipping by it. Like, it was so locked in place that stars were traveling across the sky faster than this thing was traveling. So that's not moving. It basically stayed stationary for 23 straight minutes until it faded out of yeah. my, my ability to see it. And I couldn't see it with my naked eye. So I thought that... Oh, you was, couldn't see it with the naked no, eye? No, it was just on the camera. Wow. And so it had to have been a pretty good distance away from me. And But the fact that it was there for 23 minutes and didn't budge... It Didn't move at all for 23 minutes. Is I've never seen anything do that before. So I I can't explain it. I don't have anything. I, you would have been able. You probably would have been able to see a drone with the naked eye, wouldn't you? Well, you would think a drone is going to move in the wind, or, or, right. or if if it was close to me, I would be able to see that it has lights that are green and red. But this this wasn't visible to my eye, and it blinked every five seconds. I don't know what else blinks at that slow of a rate. So it it was that was my what I consider my more unusual sighting, but like I said, it's a light in the sky. There's not a lot that you can do with that data, but it it was, it was interesting. I I did have a a moment when I lived in Ohio, I spent Christmas up there uh, over by the lake and there was a, I went outside on Christmas day and saw something like an orangey red light in the sky, went back in the house and was like, Hey, you guys have an airport south of here, and they're like, "No, well, come out here and look at this light." And it rose real slow, and then it proceeded to come over the house real slow. And I was like, "Well, what all you could see was, was the light, though—just like a, a real distinct orange-red light." And then another one popped up and did the same thing. And it was like a series, and then multiple started popping up, and out, and. I was like, "What in the world are the, like? Are we seeing? It's it's like a uh, it's flying on a pattern and it's no shape. There's no sound. There's no nothing." We decided that it was a uh, Chinese lantern event that was occurring down down uh, the road from us. But it was like, was it, was, it actually
0: like was that confirmed uh, to be what no, was happening? No, it, right?
1: It wasn't confirmed except I looked at videos of what does a Chinese Chinese lantern look like in the sky, and I was like, "Oh, that's the most likely explanation for sure." Uh, but, and, and I, I pinpointed it, pinpointed it to like a football stadium that is directly South in line with the line of sight from where I was seeing it. But it was one of those moments, like, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Oh man. I and I recorded it on video and you can definitely tell like my heart rates up. I'm, I'm so nervous and excited, but it was like, ah, but it was such a disappointment. I even called my wife while that was going on. Cause she was at a friend's house and asked her to go look outside. Like, do you see anything in the sky? And. She was like, nope, I don't see it. And I was like, well, you officially think I'm crazy now. <laughs> All right. It's, it is
0: nice, though, because I think we are to the point. UFO is not a conspiracy anymore. I mean, there are conspiracies involved with it, but it itself is no longer a conspiracy. Correct? Correct.
1: The, the, I mean, the, there's footage of things that the government has said. We don't know what it is. It's there. We don't know what it is. So that's it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck at that point, right? They're not saying what it is, but they're just saying they cannot identify it, but it's there. And there's been reports um, that came out back in the fifties and sixties that confirmed the same thing, but they got squashed. Like, uh, I think the the famous line is like, this is something real and not fictitious uh, is the main line from one of the reports. I'm forgetting which one it is. Uh, but then there were of course the Condon report that basically Threw mud all over the topic and squashed it to try to keep people from investigating it. It's the understanding I have. Right. There are.
0: Um, I know. I know he's hinted it several times, he's never come out and say it. So obviously, this is again a pure speculation. Question: Do
1: you think Lou Elizondo has seen craft? Um, I I have a hard time believing that he's investigating like the magnesium bismuth layered sh- piece of scrap metal if he's seen a whole craft, like at at, at what point do you go, yeah, I don't need to investigate that. That's a good point. That's a, that's a good point. So so I I would have a hard time believing that he's seen a, a, like, let me ask it this way. Are you saying, has he seen one in a hanger? Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't think that's, I don't think so. But that's, I'm guessing of course, do I think he has had an experience or seen something on video that is proof positive? I think so. I'd be hard pressed to believe somebody would quit their job and quit the government because it's not like he was just doing, that was just the job he fell into. That's what he had dedicated his life to. And for him to get up and leave that without some piece of evidence that without a shadow of a doubt eliminates anything else from contention except the unknown, I, I don't see that happening. So I think he's seen something amazing. Yeah. Lou's an interesting... He's a great person, but I've never
0: had the privilege of talking to him, but I, I've watched your conversation with him, and you watch every... Con- he he's a, seems just like a very, very good person. Yeah. And I remember hearing his story about why he quit is because they were not giving the information, or one of the reasons why they were not giving the information to General Mattis, and he knew that his resignation would end up on Mattis's desk. Yep. And so he put kind of put everything in the resignation. That was, that was kind of low-key brilliant. But... He, he's, he's definitely one of these people he's he, he said that he's never going even if the government never announces it, he's never going to be the one that comes out and says it yeah um but the fact that it's even worded like that that he that i'm not going to come out and say it means that it is actually something that's real
1: yeah well and if, and keep in mind he can't yeah. divulge things that he's not allowed to divulge because of his uh security clearances and ndas and things like that like He was a a counterintelligence professional. He has done things that, or he knows things that the rest of the public doesn't need to know, and our enemies definitely don't need to know. So he has restrictions on him.
0: Yeah. I'm wondering, okay, let's start with this question, and and, and then we'll we'll wrap this up. What do you think is going to happen with this GIN report? Is it going to be a
1: nothing burger? Um, I, I boil it down to they are going to bore us to death with a lot of policies and procedures, but the New York Times article says that they did investigate 120 recent cases. So that's the, the big oh, question mark to me. Recent. Yeah. And I, from my understanding, recent means last 20 years. So if those 120 incidents are put forth in a public way to where we can all dive into them, that is going to be monumental. that That would be the best outcome, especially if there's any photographic or video documentation to go along with it. Um, but from my understanding of the hope for the, the long term hope for the project is that there will be a long a long term funded effort to try to investigate further, and that's where it's it would boil down to. I think there's going to be a lot of procedures and policies about how do we collect the data. Who, how do we analyze it? Where do we store it? And what do we do with the data? So I think there's going to be a lot of policies put in place, just like the 2019 Navy guidelines on reporting unexplains. I think that's going to be similar to what's covered in this report is, hey, we know it's there. Here's 120 cases of things that we haven't been able to identify. That's all great and fine. How do we start to collect more information in a more efficient manner that can help take that next step to go from unexplained to explained and, and try to provide some information um, from these sightings. So I think it's going to be a a data collection intensive report. If it is a nothing burger,
0: do you think there's a situation where a lot more
1: people are going to start coming out? Um, Like as in, well, if they're not pilot, anything, yeah, my hand, I'm going to kind of like uh, that,
0: like what Lou is talking about, how he's like, I will run. If, if, if this, if the information does not come out, no matter When it is, he's talking about running for office Mm -hmm. to be the person that does
1: that. Well, I I don't know if you've paid attention to uh, UFO Twitter to see that Ryan Graves Mm -hmm. and Alex Dietrich have become engaged with UFO Twitter now. So those are two pilots that have seen things that have come forward. So I feel like there is a tipping point where people are going to say, "Well, I mean, if they're going to talk about it, I'll share." I'll share my experience, and they're not losing their jobs. Exactly, I think that's key. So they're keeping their jobs and still publicly talking about it. So to me, if as long as the report doesn't come out and say everybody's a dummy that reports it and reemphasizes the stigma and and does that, I think that it's going to draw people out of the the woodworks, and people are going to become more comfortable and open talking about their experiences, and that's going to go further to take the next step in the disclosure process. Cause
0: I think there's, there are a lot more people that have had experiences. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Well, I mean, we the,
1: the, if, if you do think about it, if you were Alex Dietrich, even said it, she was like, if, if I hadn't been with another plane and had four sets of eyes on it, I would not have said anything to anybody because I would not want to go see the flight surgeon and risk my career because of one thing I saw one time and never again in my career like it it, there's a lot of people that are just going to sit on it because they don't want it to impact their occupation and rightfully so like if you were a a commercial pilot and you got to feed your kids you got to keep some of that stuff to yourself if if you if you know it's good for you and that's what the stigma was uh, basically doing it was ruining people's lives and that's that's something that has been uh, I think Lou talked about that on his interview with James Ian Doley he's like the government's going to have a lot of problems on their hand if they come out and say, yeah, we were kind of ruining careers to try to keep this secret. And now we got to try to compensate those fam, those people that were impacted by this, because I mean, think about the negative impacts that the stigma has had on professional pilots that have lost their license or things like that, that have happened. The government's going to be in a hot mess because of that. So that that's another reason for them to want to keep the, the silence going yeah uh
0: second to last question for you okay um will we get full disclosure in our lifetime speculation um what's full disclosure uh, it's it's I, I i guess i okay good that's a great point will we hear the words we are not alone i think in so. our lifetime
1: i think the, i think a president is gonna a president is gonna have to come is it, is it says, a president's
0: job you think like i, yes. I I'm, I'm wondering. Because, and because I, I heard uh China talking about how they wanted to take this topic to the UN and it feels like it's a worldwide issue is it something that you think it would be America that ends up maybe maybe it'll be a <laughs> team president. America world place stepping up again maybe,
1: maybe we'll have a Ronald Reagan moment at the UN and that's when we'll learn I think I think that there is a certain amount we're the I mean the United States is the number one world power right now if everyone else is on board and we're not it's gonna cause confusion, so I think that the U.S. definitely has to be at the at the at the, at the table having the conversation. Do they have? Uh, it doesn't need to be just America doing it either. It needs to be like multiple world leaders saying, "Hey, I'm a Brazilian president, prime minister. I'm not sure what they have, and here's and, and here's why it's true, and here's our evidence of it." Here's the Russian uh, Putin comes out and says it. Biden comes out and says it. I think it'll have to be multiple people, not just one, or else everybody's going to be still be suspicious. It's got to be a unified front. But America has to have a part in that conversation.
0: Yeah. Are we ready? Um, some of us. <laughs> That's a good answer. Yeah. There's certainly a lot of people that I worry about hearing that news. Oh, yeah. Well, like the the Catholic Church, in my opinion, is They're, they seem on board. Like, yeah, they, they've come
1: out. The Vatican's come out before, exactly. haven't they, and said like, yeah, there's probably other things out here. Exactly. Like, and so to me, those guys seem to be kind of bracing for impact. I guess this is the best way to describe it. But I don't know if others are. Like, that's that's the thing. That's the big wild card in this is we don't know how this is going to impact everyone on Earth because this isn't just like an American issue or religious issue. This is a global. It it affects everyone in different ways. So, it was just like anything else, it's going to be a mixed bag of results. Would you, do you feel like you would get bored? Like after they
0: came out and said like yeah we're not alone it's like oh well when, what what do we do now yeah, yeah like what we,
1: I guess on to crypto now yeah well I mean Bigfoot's <laughs> always out there in the woods to chase around so maybe we go that route oh
0: there's know. an ancient alien episode about how Bigfoot's actually an alien yeah that yeah I know that that was that was one that kind of yeah. pulled, pulled me out. I like ancient alien I watch it because I'm I'm I don't even necessarily know I I certainly don't believe everything that ancient aliens puts out there but I'm fascinated how they can connect the dots to yep. things where there are no dots there. So like even after the Bigfoot episode, like I'm sitting there watching this like, oh my God, I cannot believe I'm sitting here watching this. They're showing Bigfoot coming down from a UFO. Yeah. And then at the end of the episode, I'm like,
1: well, I can't prove them wrong. wrong.
0: Yeah. It's like,
1: what, <laughs> what do we do with this information? There, there's a lot about ancient aliens that I like. Like they do some good research, but then they do um, extrapolate too much at times. Like the, the famous, uh, Tsukalos quote. I'm not saying it's aliens, it's but, it's, but aliens. it's aliens. Like that, like anything along that line is like, ah, ah, gag. They gag. need to let him do full disclosure. Oh, yeah. what if
0: they, what if they gave it to him and he, he was the one no that made the world announcement. No <laughs> he just goes up there and he's like, it's aliens. Yeah I'm like, that's it. I'm like,
1: I've been telling you.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, final question. Then we're going to go grab some lunch. There are, um, what do you recommend for people who want to get in and join the conversation like what you're doing?
1: UFO Twitter. Without a doubt, that's really? the okay. best source. That was a quick answer. Because it's true. Okay. There, there's no doubt in my mind. That is the, um, it's the best way. It's, it compiles as much information. It compiles more information than you're ever going to be able to go through. So it's it's the source for information. And that's where all the, the civilian thinkers on this are engaging and that's where the military people are starting to engage as well. If you want the Cliff Notes version, you can check out my TikTok channel because the information that I'm getting on UFO Twitter, that's the basis of my research. That's where all oh, the information okay. comes from a little behind the scenes action yeah, here. I'm, all right. I'm regurgitating UFO Twitter on the TikTok is what it really boils down to. So all the articles that I review, all the information I have are pretty much scroll I'm scrolling through my TikTok um my twitter feed to find that stuff.
0: You get a lot of hits on Twitter though. Every 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 now and then you'll get someone big that retweets you and you, oh, yeah. you get a couple thousand views like that's baller.
1: Yeah, it's fun. It's Yeah. Fun. Like it there is an excitement associated with Twitter and TikTok that uh it's hard to hard to describe. Like I tried to describe it to my wife like oh, I had this many views on my video and I only have this many normally but it, it's 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 a rush. I mean, it TikTok, is. T- that algorithm is something else. It's all there. Twitter doesn't even really have an algorithm. It's just kind of yeah, that one's hard to. Well, they're no, both hard to figure out. I they are all that. the
0: social media things are, man, and it's a, it's it's a really weird place for UFO to be on social UFOs to be on social media because there's really not it does it, outside of people like you and Lou Elizondo, Ryan Graves, and there's not a whole lot of middle ground. It's either these are aliens I know because I'm talking to them or there's no way these are just fucking balloons. Yeah, like, it's, it's, there's
1: not much middle ground. So, so I've had conversations with guys on Twitter where I basically feel like when you're into the UFO topic to the level that I have gotten into it, I feel very isolated. I feel very alone because I can't just go out and have a conversation with somebody that I meet and them understand the – there's a, there's a background, there's a vocabulary, there's acronyms that you need to know, there's dates that are significant. There's a lot of information that just isn't common knowledge. And for me to go and have a conversation with someone out of the blue, not going to happen. I'm going to sound crazy. So the UFO Twitter allows me to connect with other people that have that same lexicon, that have that same knowledge, that background knowledge, to where we can have a conversation that I can't find in my town. So it allows us to kind of connect on a global basis and have these conversations. Like I talked to people from Europe. I talked to people from Amsterdam and it's, it's weird how how it really is. a. It it, it makes you feel like this is a global, global issue. And they have probably have some good stories too, that we don't get over. Absolutely. And, and they're watching us and we're watching them. And so we're all, we're all trying to learn from each other. And the, the effort that's going in America right now, the guys in, in Europe are trying to replicate that. Like, use that as, hey, look what they're doing over there. Isn't France... Why aren't you guys doing it? Wasn't
0: France kind of one of the pillars of, like... Well, that's UFO. Like, they're the ones that are actually really professionally
1: handling it the best out of all of the countries. That's where um, Jacques Vallée is mm-hmm. from. But there's also that Maybe Planet channel that has a guy named Nico on it who's interviewed Lou twice now. And they, they've they done some of the best interviews. like they, they,
0: Oh, yeah. He's out of uh, Amsterdam, isn't he? No, that's or Max. Max. I'm
1: thinking Max. Okay, never mind. Okay. Nico is with ex dossier or something like okay. that but man he, they're excellent at interviewing Lou like if anyone hasn't listened to their in their interviews go find them because they're they're great um uh, but it's a global thing so it's interesting to see that other countries are involved in this and interested in it just like we are and you know you don't feel so isolated and alone like I was on an island and now I've got buddies on on the island with me besides Wilson the volleyball so
0: yeah, it, it, because you're right. And I, I don't think people understand that when, when you're looking into this topic, especially not necessarily nowadays, but especially, you know, previous years, like prior to 2017, it was a very lonely field. Like you sometimes start questioning, like, maybe I am a kook. Yeah, like make, maybe like, do, do I need to like back off of this a little bit? Like, am I getting way too deep into this? But then again, it's like you said, this is arguably the biggest question Yeah. This is the biggest question that humanity will ever have answered. And it may be surprising to some people that maybe it was already answered a long time ago.
1: It's just a big question to us now. And, but we're getting to witness this. Like I, I It's missed a weird time this, to be alive, man. Yeah, I, I missed the space race. Like My grandmother had dirt floors and then she got to see man land on the moon. That's like, so crazy. I was like, that's got to be the best generation to be alive. Like, uh, the the pride that they had in what was going on in their country at that time. Yeah. Like, that had to have been the best time to be around. But now I'm looking at this like, finding out that there's other intelligence interacting with us, I think that tops it. <laughs> like, that's, that's Yeah, and, and there's going to be
0: so many questions. And we can get into that another time. There's going to be so many questions that arise. Like, I, I've, I've always said that the question, are we alone? Or... That that opens up. Uh, that, that's going to be the easiest question that the government has to answer: Is are we alone? It's the shit ton of other questions that come along with it. Like, yeah. where are they from? How long have they been here? How old is their civilization? Are they visiting what other they, civilizations? What yeah. What? What? Why, why are they even here? Why are Why are they bothering or not bothering us? Or why are they observing us? Like, are we just in some kind of like zoo? Like, are, I, yeah. I, nobody. No. No. Nobody knows. But to, the only way to get to those answers is to start with the one. Are we alone?
1: Oh, the, let's look into it. That's the first yeah. thing we need. Like, the, right. instead of just harassing people that are saying these things, take what they say uh, for just kind of absorb it as data mm-hmm. and just look into it and see what... That's all
0: you can, all you can do. You, that's the best way because it's it's going to be... When people actually go and look into the data and the facts, there's really no way around it that something is going on. What that something is is whatever. Uh, it's And it's... What what's what's made it very difficult is it's there's so much bullshit. Oh yeah, it's just there there is so much bullshit everywhere on UFOs, and it's really especially when you're just getting into it, it's really hard to decipher what's actually real and what's bullshit and that's Absolutely. that's why it's so important that people like you are doing what you do because you're able because you're so invested in this and you've been invested in this for a long time you're able to look at something and be like that's bullshit that's bullshit well, I there mean, may be something and, to that that's bullshit
1: and something that i don't think is bs i could get wrong like i could ac- i i've i've pulled off one of my uh, tiktok videos because i put it out there and then found some Information mm-hmm. out that was like, all right, I, I shouldn't have made that video. gank that sucker off of there. So I'm. It's I'm responsible.
0: That's it, that's being responsible. Like, yeah, that that's a that's a good thing. Yeah, that so you're not out there sharing like,
1: even because it's obviously unintentional. That you're, but that but that's why the government's involvement is important in my opinion because it's like, all right, we need to have a a, a source that's vetted this information. They're not going to just like with all these politicians that are come out and speaking openly about it. They're putting their careers on the line to say this to say that they're seeing these things. They're not doing that lightly. That's not just something they said, you know, on on a whim, I'm going to start talking about this stuff. Like, to me, that's why the government's important, because they're going to say, this is legit. Let's investigate further, and we're going to start to require resources to do so. So let's get the the funding in place to, to properly perform an investigation.
0: And the best part is, especially in today's climate, this feels like one of the very, very rare bipartisan issues. Oh, yeah. It's like well, that's like the, Mar, it. Like Marco Rubio's, he would be the last person I would have said that, exactly that, that would
1: jump on this and kind of isn't he leading one of the committees right now? He or he's he, he like is kind the, of making the push, a co-chair of the Senate Select Intelligence okay. Committee with Mark Warner, and I forget he's a he's a Republican or no, he's a Democrat. Rubio's a Republican, and they're working together on this. Yeah,
0: they need to get we. This is this is what this country needs more than anything right now. They need to do nothing but just focus on this UFO thing, get us back working together yeah. as as a, as a society. Uh, but Dan, dude, I appreciate you coming by, man. I'm glad this was this was an absolute
1: trip. treat to come here and let me pick your brain like this. And this is the first time I've ever been in front of someone having a an interview conversation like yes, this. So it's so
0: much easier, it, well, especially with COVID and everything, man. It was it was impossible
1: yeah.
0: to to do that a, a year ago when everything was really starting to come out. So this is. This, this is exciting. I think we're going to – not just me. I think we're going to start seeing a lot of other content out there. Yeah, I, and, think, and,
1: I think COVID is responsible for a lot of the creative content that's right. been coming out because, you know, I mean, I'm at home. I, I got no other outlet. I can't go anywhere. I'm just going to start dabbling in this TikTok thing or making YouTube yeah. videos. I think a lot of that has kind of been driven by
0: it. And, it. and it's really cool to see people like Lou Elizondo going on every podcast that he possibly yeah. – I don't know what that dude – he can't sleep. Like, there, there's no way that he could possibly – just sleep. Like he has to be the single most stressed up. Like I, I, more than anything, I hope they're, I hope they just come out and say like, yeah, there's, we're we're not alone just so that dude can relax a little
1: bit. Give him a vacation. Let him have a Like he's earned it,
0: man. Like I, I, even all this, even if they do come out and say, I kind of hope he runs. I know that's not really something that he wants to do, but I hope he does. Yeah. Just because it's rare that you get somebody in that area who is generally seems like a good person and a trustworthy person.
1: Well, I've always contended that the political environment that we have around us Eliminates the people that should be in politics from wanting to be in politics. Like I wouldn't want to get involved. God no, I want nothing to do with that. The mud like that. No, thank you. No, yeah, forget that. So it, it, like, I mean, let's let's face it. You you probably attract like sociopath type personalities to politics because that's that's what they want. They want they feed on it. Yeah, feed on that, and that's not what the guys that work out of that work at a farm somewhere that probably has the best ideas is gonna wanna get involved with. He's not gonna wanna do that. So that's where I think politics is backwards. One of the reasons it's backwards. It's
0: all right. We don't even we're not even gonna need governments when the aliens come
1: down and rule us all. <laughs>
0: so all right, let's go get some food, man. All right man.